Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. But guys, before we do, we have Regathering coming up. In just a few weeks. Man, it is right around the corner. It's like come on us fast. So what do we need to tell people? Well, I don't know exactly what we need to tell them about the event because we've been talking about it a lot. Yeah, I don't think... But in terms of... They're just going to have to come. Yeah. Well, what we need to say is if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, Go to the website mm-hmm. and get your tickets. Now, we know that people all over the country listen to the podcast. This podcast is coming from Christ Community Church in St. Charles, Illinois, and the western suburbs. We have five locations. And so this regathering is all of our church campuses getting together for a massive one-day event. And if you live anywhere near us in the Chicago suburbs, we'd love to have you. Uh, or... Hey, shoot, if you live in California and you want to get on a plane and come to the regathering event, I mean, we're not going to stop you. We're not going to complain. And I would think that's awesome to be walking around Kuiper's family farm. And someone came up to me and said, hey, I live far away, but I listened to the podcast and I decided to come. That'd be super cool. That would be amazing. Would be amazing. Uh, But anyway, with all of that being (laughs) said, (laughs) get your tickets. This is going to be an amazing day. Uh, I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before, but we were talking about the fact that there is a custom Christ Community Church corn maze at mm-hmm. Kuiper's Family Farm. And then we started talking about the fact that we really don't know how corn mazes are created. So in a few episodes, Joe Kuiper's from the Kuiper's Family, Kuiper's Family Farm, is going to join us yep. on the podcast. Yep. And he is going to explain to us how they make corn mazes from beginning to end. I can't oh, wait. And all will be revealed. <laughs> all will be <laughs> revealed. <laughs> about corn mazes, at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and are we done talking about regathering? Yeah. Yeah, let's be done with that okay. because because it's time for listener feedback. Clayton? All right. Yeah, so we've got a couple of reviews that came in, and uh, we've got one from uh, Rachel B07. Um, it says, look forward to this podcast every week, which is Aww. wonderful, which is wonderful. Although I will say, when I read this and it says B-O, Clayton. I, it's it's tricky. Clayton. It's tricky. I, I have no idea who this is or what your last name is or how you chose the, the numbers that you did, but I, I got to be B-O? honest. It was the first thing. Is it B-O or B-0? It might be a zero, but it might be an O. It looks like an O. It's it, before a seven, but it's after a B. Hmm. You know what you're doing right now, Clayton? You're making people not want to give us listener feedback. <laughs> that, <laughs> is, that is normally my <laughs> job. She's like, if I could take it back, I would now. <laughs> We're all switch. We're all switching roles. Clayton's getting a little snarky on the other end of the table. How about this? This 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 is this is some encouraging feedback here. Uh, We have uh, someone who was listening to the episode that we did a few weeks ago about Acts chapter fifteen. So Acts chapter fifteen is uh, a passage where they're trying to figure out. Uh, you know, Jews and Gentiles are going to be together and they talk about what kind of food they can eat and whether or not you can eat meat with the blood in it and all sorts of. You know, kind of tricky stuff. Um, but here's here's a really cool thing. Uh, this person said, I was a Jehovah's Witness for many years before the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to God's truth. The issue of not eating blood was a stumbling block for me and my new faith. To make a long story short, Pastor Eric addressed it in a way that made total sense for the first time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me peace about this issue. You are shedding light into the darkness in ways you can't even imagine. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. It's really amazing. Well, thank you to both of those listeners for leaving us that feedback. We appreciate it. Yeah, that was encouraging. It was. That's that's enough encouragement fuel to 
come in here for a few more months and keep knocking out podcast <laughs> episodes. Right. So just a few more months though. So we're going to need more listener feedback, more reviews to come in. That's how you keep, feed us, everybody. <laughs> keep motivating us to keep doing this. I okay. am fed by encouraging listener feedback or Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. Oh, Ooh, okay. that that is those are power pellets. So <laughs> power pellets. <laughs> feed the beast. All right. All right, Clayton, what are we looking at today? We are jumping into a new book today. It is the book of Galatians. And so that is a little New Testament book. And it fits uh, what we've been doing all summer long. We did we studied the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church. We've just been reading First and Second Thessalonians, which are some of Paul's letters. And th- this is another one of Paul's letters. It is uh, one of the earliest uh, letters that Paul has, either First Thessalonians or Galatians came first, but it's about 50 AD, just 20 years after Jesus. And uh, he is addressing some of the controversies that are in the early church. And one of those is related to this thing that we talked about in Acts 15, Jews and Gentiles coming together. And it's this church where they're, they've been kind of welcoming people in. And then all of a sudden, some people show up and kind of put the brakes on that. And because they're saying... If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to join this movement, you've got to also become Jewish. You've got to adopt all the Jewish kind of customs and 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 laws that are there. And uh, and so they're they're saying this in this church, and some controversy has arisen. So Paul is very upset by this, and he writes a pretty strong letter uh, addressing this question. And um, in this passage, we're going to look at in chapter two. It has kind of the backstory, kind of the inciting incident, uh, a conflict between uh, Peter. And Paul, um, and by the way, when we read this, Peter is going to be called Cephas. So if you hear that word and you're like, who is this person? Uh, It's talking about the apostle Peter, who you're probably more familiar with. Oh, do I read now? Yeah, oh, yeah. totally. No, I should probably, oh, I should probably okay. say this. Okay, uh, Eric, why don't you, you read? <laughs> I'm supposed to set that up. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 11. Oh, wait. All right. Reading? Oh, wow. Before I read. <laughs> It's weird. It's time for the comma tip of the week. So it's going to start with this name Cephas and you're reading along and Clayton just told you that Cephas is Peter, but let's say you're doing your daily Bible reading and all of a sudden this random name pops up Cephas and you're saying, well, who the heck is Cephas? Here's your comma tip of the week. It's better to slow down and figure stuff out than to just read and not understand. Now, there is another extreme you could fall into, which is feeling like you have to understand everything every time you you read the Bible, which you don't. The goal is to always get something out of it. You're not going to figure out and fully understand everything, but you do want to slow down sometimes and say, well, who? So, for example, in this text, it's going to be the name Cephas. You might go, well, who is that? Or they talk about the uncircumcised. Well, who is that? So that's, once again, you have study notes in a good study Bible at the bottom of the page, or there's little footnotes, little cross-reference links. There's all kinds of things in a study Bible that will help you figure out some of these things, or Google. Google. Who is Cephas in the Bible? Uh, So, slow down. Figure stuff out. Take your time. Enjoy your Bible reading. This has been your comma tip of the week. All right, and now, Clayton, why do you always laugh at the- I just love that. The beat is perfect. perfect. So perfect. Okay. Verse 11 through what? Oh, through through the end of the chapter. Yeah, okay, here we go. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, 
so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. All right, we are going to do O, which is observation. So, what are some of the things you see in this passage? I see Cephas. <laughs> Doesn't that sound? That sounds like another podcast T-shirt. <laughs> smack, smack away Lydia from a previous episode, <laughs> and now I see Cephas. I'm telling you, there is a lot. There is a line of T-shirts being developed. Oh man, this is great. Um, you know what? I think on first read, like people might read this and be like, huh? <laughs> what? That's what I think when I read it. Um, no matter how many times we, you know, you read this passage, I think you have to really slow down because um, it can be very confusing as you're reading it. it. Like it's, it's like almost like a tongue twister. It's like a logical argument that you have to follow. That's very not logical at all at first glance, <laughs> unless you know all of this like history behind it. Right. So to me, that's definitely like, yeah, slow down because this one is quite confusing. It is a bit twisty. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me see if I can give like the basic road through this, you know, because it, it feels like that there's a lot of twists and turns, but yeah. let me give you kind of the main route. Okay. So here's what's going on. You've got Jews and Gentiles. So for a long time, God had been at work among the Jews and just every once in a while, there'd be someone from another you know, culture or nation who would pop in. But after Jesus, he throws the doors wide open and says, people from every culture are brought in. And of course, the question is, all right, do they have to adopt the Jewish law and Jewish customs in order to join this previously Jewish movement? And early on in Acts, Peter has this encounter where he is told by God in a vision very directly, go to this Gentile's house, this guy named Cornelius. And, and he even says like, and also you can eat whatever food is there, right? So all the barriers that normally kept you apart, no longer keep you apart. And because of that, the early church was like, okay, we get it. The Gentiles are coming in. And Paul really took this up. So he was part of a, a multi-ethnic church in the, the city of Antioch. And it was probably the first kind of like fully Jew and Gentile church there was. And they start sending out missionaries, and Paul was one of them, uh, out into the Gentile world. And they're starting all of these mixed Jew-Gentile churches all throughout, you know, the Roman Empire. But then there is a group of people from Jerusalem, and they say, all right, we still think, like we're reading the Old Testament, and we realize this is really important stuff. You don't want to disobey God, so we're going to insist, no, you really need to follow these laws. And in particular things like 
boys need to be circumcised. You've got to have uh, certain food. You can't eat kosher. You have to eat kosher. You can't eat pork, that kind of thing. Uh, certain clean and unclean things we still got to do. And of course, Gentiles can come in, but they've got to adopt these things. Now, Peter, who is, you know, a good Jewish boy, <laughs> uh, he's been kind of doing the, the, hanging out with Gentiles for a long time. But when these teachers come in, he feels the pressure to please them. And he says, okay, I'm going to separate. I'm going to start doing the Jewish things again. And Paul looks at that and says, you are completely undermining the mission that we've been on because now the nations are coming in. This is incredible. Don't go backwards in time to a time when we had to do all these things. And that puts a barrier in front of these people. But Paul goes to like another theological level. And he says, all right, here's the deal. Because Jesus showed up, he justifies us. So we don't, we don't say we've got to, to be right with God. That's what being justified is. To be right with God, to be a part of God's people, we don't have to do all of these laws. That is not what makes you okay with God or part of his people. Uh, because of Jesus, he has settled that. He has, he has fulfilled the law. And so these things are, uh, they were good for a time, but now we're in a new era and, and Jesus has opened a different door. But if you insist, they've all got to do this. It's almost like you're going back and saying, doesn't matter what Jesus did. Trusting in Jesus, uh, but his grace is not enough. You've got to do these additional things if you want to be a part of God's people. And so he's, he's saying to Peter, you're, you're actually, your behavior is undermining the logic of the gospel, which says these things aren't what make you right with God. It's trusting in Jesus's grace. Now, there's a lot of other details in there that kind of, you know, get a little confusing, but that's the main line uh, mm -hmm. through this whole thing. So my observation comes from verse 12. Uh, it is somewhat connected to the comma tip of the week. It says, for before certain men, for before certain men came from James. If you don't know who James is or why that matters, James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, so once again, if you're reading that, you can just probably in the study notes of the NIV study Bible, it's going to tell you that these are not things that you have to go to years and years of seminary to figure out, which is why we're always saying get a good study Bible and use it. But further on in that verse, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Here, here's the observation that stuck out to me. Peter had heard from God and the pressure of the group caused him to redirect his behavior. And that's just a, a, a general observation. Sometimes we know what's right. We know what's right before God, but the pressure of the group might cause us to diverge to something that we know is not quite right. Uh, the other thing that I saw was um, the way that Paul approached Peter, like he said, I opposed him to his face. Um, and then he goes and he says, later I said to to Cephas or to Peter, like in front of all of them, like he was very explicit about he's, he saw something and then he said something like he wasn't going to let it um, get out of control or kind of let it go or, or maybe wait and see if it like course corrected on its own. Like it was something big enough to say, Hey, I, I think I need to come to you and I need to say, this is what I see, and this is what's going to go bad if you keep doing this. And so I think that's just a, that's really cool that he, he cared enough to say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, and I noticed similar to that, not only did he say something, but he did it publicly, Yeah. which is, you know, 
for some of us is an uncomfortable thing, right? Like you, you think of someone being kind of called out in public and everybody in the room <laughs> starts to sweat, you know, it's like, Oh man, how's this going to go? Although there are some people who pull up and they're like, let's get the popcorn out. Like this is going to be fun. Um, but for the most part in our culture, um, we, we find that to be, you know, uh, offensive, right? Like to call someone out in public. Or to tell someone they're wrong. Or to tell yeah. someone they're wrong oh, at all, do, right? Do that, okay. do that in our culture today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're either always telling people that they're wrong or we're avoiding it completely. Like, it's 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 a nightmare. But um, the fact that Peter was a public figure, like, he wasn't just any old person. Mm-hmm. He was someone who had publicly been kind of the poster boy for the Gentiles are coming in. Like, he was, he, he's important. And he was Jesus' right-hand man. So, if you see him doing something very publicly... That influences a whole bunch of people and it needs to be addressed publicly. What else do you see? Okay, another one that I see here is verse 19. It says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Um, When I read that, I thought of that passage where um, it says like, when we believe in Christ, like we put on these, like our new selves, like these new clothes, we take off the old and we put on the new. And... Um, I got like this picture of, of like, if Jesus fulfilled the law, it was like this taking off of like something that people could never truly live up to. It's such a grace and a freedom to say, oh, I can actually take that off now and I can put on this new, uh, this, these new clothes that essentially are just full of, of grace through, through the life of Christ. Um, so that I might live for God. Like, if I was trying to abide the, you know, abide by the law and I could never fully live up to it, now I actually can through Christ. Or there's a change in perspective there. If if the the law, if there's a whole bunch of rules, like this is what the perfect life mm-hmm. before God looks like, and you're trying to follow all those rules, in some ways you're saying I'm living for the law. I'm I'm just trying to the, yeah. I'm trying to live the perfect life according to the law, mm-hmm. versus living for God. I'm not living for the law anymore. I'm living for God. Like it's it's it would be the same kinds of behaviors maybe, but the perspective is shifted. The motivation is different maybe. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. living I'm living for God. Mm-hmm. The law can be my tutor, but it's no longer my master. There's there's a metaphor that comes up later in the book of Galatians where it talks about um, a child growing up. And it talks about how when a child is young, they, they've got, you know, they talk about having a, a tutor or a schoolmaster. And, and in, a, in a sense, the child is being told what to do, right? Like the, and, and there's certain behaviors that are expected. And um, the difference between a, a child and a slave is, is hard to tell, you know what I mean? Because they're both being told by somebody else, here's how you, here's how you behave. But when the child grows up, they, they no longer need that tutor, right? They don't no, no longer need that sort of external thing saying, here's what you do. Um, but it doesn't mean that they s- suddenly like stop like behaving in a way that's appropriate, right? Like it's uh, like mm-hmm. theoretically, <laughs> someone grows up, they're mature and they start behaving in ways that make sense, you know, that are wise, that are good, that are, you know, loving towards people. Um, not because they're kind of dictated, here's what to do, but because they've embraced that fully as a person. And so I think Galatians is kind of describing that. Like there's always that concern, like, hey, we put aside the law, we can do whatever. Um, but then there is that internalizing of it that actually makes you almost better at fulfilling it um, because you've you've grown into it in the same way that like my children do irresponsible things or whatever just because they're children um, they're they're going to embrace responsibility one day and they won't need someone hanging over their 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 mm-hmm. shoulder and they'll do it better actually than they do in response to my commands. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one more observation for me, verse 20, where he seemingly, as I'm reading this, makes a switch to, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I mean, I, I, I know somehow it's following the logic of what he's saying, but what what, what jumps out to me is previously the conversation is the circumcised, the Jews, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. It seems to be a shift from circumcision to crucifixion, right? Mm. So, and I don't know if this is what in Paul's mind, here's the fun thing about one day we'll all be together. We'll actually get to ask Paul, like, <laughs> yeah. can you, you think about that? <laughs> I always, I, always want, I always think about that when I'm preaching. Like, this is what Paul meant when he said this. Like, well, you better be right because one day you're, you're going to be guy. in the new heavens and new earth with him. And he's going to be like, hey, remember when you preached that sermon? Yeah, that is not what was in my head when I wrote that. <laughs> Can you imagine how many conversations like that he's yeah. going to have? So oh all, all, of you preach, all of you preachers out there, a little more humility. You're going to be with all of the writers of the Bible one day. Um, I wonder if he's making a move here to say, it's not about being circumcised. It's about being crucified. Hmm. Uh, I'll ask Paul one day. I think uh, the other half of that verse there, the it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Um, that's a really, really powerful principle. You know, that there's a, a sense of the, the part of me that was, was acting in rebellion and, and needed all that kind of, you know, the laws to constrain me um, that like, Christ has come in and now he's, he's living. I have the, I have a different power than I had before to do what I need to do and to be the person I, I need to be. Like there's a, the, the, it's, it's not a, just like, I think C.S. Lewis talks about like, God didn't come to make, um, uh, you know, good people, good better. people better, good people better, but dead people alive, dead people alive. Yeah. I think we, did we quote that a few weeks ago? I, feel I don't, like we, I, feel I like don't we, know. This came up on the podcast before, but there is something like so dramatic about saying I, like my old life, I'm dead to that. And now there's a new power in my life that's utterly different um, and, and opens up total new possibilities. Any other observations? Not for me. No. All right. You got well, any? Let's go to uh, meditation here. Um, I, I think that verse 20 is a great uh, verse to meditate on. It's a good one to memorize if you've never uh, you know, memorized that passage. It's a really good one. Uh, but let me read it to you. We're going to take uh, 45 seconds. Uh, meditation is just uh, prayerfully pondering something from scripture. And so uh, as I read this, you take uh, some time to pray through it. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's go on to the second M in comma, which is message. What message did you get out of this passage? Uh, I'm just really drawn to that phrase that Christ lives in me. Um, if 
like if I would be mindful of that on more of like more of an occasion of just being mindful that Christ lives in me. I think like you can go through your your course the course of your day and just not stop and ponder that. Um at least I can. Um that's a really big like thought that Christ lives in me. Just think about that. Okay, here's my message today from this text. And I think this is kind of pithy like Clayton's. I think this one might be pretty good and memorable. You can't kill a dead man. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm already dead. What are you going to do to me? Your criticism, your threats, your persecution. What are you going to do to me? I'm already dead. I'm already living a resurrected life. So uh, the confidence that comes with following Jesus and Mm -hmm. saying, I've already put to death all of that stuff. So... Can't kill a dead man. That's my message today. It's another t-shirt. That's good. It's another t-shirt. I like that. Uh, My message is this. If you don't approach God on the basis of grace, you'll divide with others on the basis of works. So I'm thinking about the the situation here with Peter and the Jews and the Gentiles. And so when Paul shifts the perspective, he says, look, here's how we're made right with God. It's by faith and through grace. It's because of what Jesus did, not because we did the law. Like, He's, he's pointing out a dynamic that is, that is really common, that if we think, here's what makes me okay with God, like this is what makes God smile on me, it's because I do certain things, then when you look at the people around you and they're not doing those things, then you won't smile on them. You know what I mean? Because you're thinking, well, this is how I got accepted, so who's going to be acceptable to me? Well, it's people who meet the criteria that I know I've been accepted by. And so... Um, we, we tend to do this where we look around and say, uh, those people are, are in or out, or at least on the fringe or in the center because of this criteria that may, I, I've been using as my basis for being okay. And so I, I think if we don't approach God with grace, by grace, we'll divide with others by, by works. He one-upped me. Every time, every time. You can't kill a dead man's pretty good. I can put that on a t-shirt. I can't put that on a t-shirt. That's true. Yours is too long for a t-shirt, Clayton. Um, But it was good. It was good. Clayton, I'm not saying that. Maybe that could be down the side of a pair of joggers. (laughs) (laughs) Started on the t-shirt and extended (laughs) down the side of the joggers. joggers. All right, let's talk about application. That's the A in comma. What do we do in response to this? Uh, based on my mess, my message with Christ lives in me, um, it's approaching the, asking myself the question, um, would Jesus say this? Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus want me to treat this person this way? Should I be thinking this? Um, and I think what it comes down to is if Jesus, if Jesus wouldn't, then I should not, I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Oh, that's another t-shirt. If Jesus wouldn't, I I shouldn't. shouldn't. (laughs) You pretty much just took what would Jesus do and flipped it. I think someone fit that on a bracelet one time. No, (laughs) no, no. Mine's so much better. (laughs) WWJND, what would Jesus not do? (laughs) You're just just starting. You're just resurrecting an early 90s. I didn't even think about that when I said that, guys. Mine's better. We're we're here. It is better. It is better. (laughs) Yeah. And we're here to help. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what's your application? Grace, grace, God's grace. Uh, man. Register for regathering. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and this is going somewhere. Okay. Join us, thousands of people. Yeah. Passionately celebrating God's grace 
He has set us free. He's given us new life. It's not because we're trying to be perfect. It's not because we ever will be perfect on this side of eternity. It's because what Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. So on September 11th, we are all gathering in one place to celebrate God's grace. That's my application. I'm going to be there and I'm going to invite as many people as possible to be there with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my application is, is looking at the things that uh, divide us from other people and, and refocusing on the fact that we're together by grace. Um, I think there, I think there's like old school versions of this, you know, where it's like, oh, the person, you know, they had tattoos or piercings. And so it's like these things that, you know, are, are less, you know, divisive now, like our, our pastor has tattoos and people are, you know what I mean? These, these sorts of things, but it used to be these cultural markers that said, uh, those are kind of, you know, I don't know about them. Um, today. I think uh, a lot of it has more to do with like political things or cultural things where we feel like you're on this or that side of a, you know, a cultural debate. Um, uh, not always ones that are, are genuinely like moral things, but things where it's like, you know, people can see this differently. But um, I saw this study that showed how um, people are actually uh, choosing what churches they go to based on the, their politics and what they, they see expressed in those churches. And so their, their political and cultural positions are driving their, their uh, religious choices. Um, and so I really do think that in, in some ways that's our, um, you know, cultural dividing marker kinds of things. But I, I really do think if we approach God with gr- grace, we look at the other person and says, you know, we disagree on how to handle X, Y, Z issue in the world. Um, I can still love you. Um, I, I've been in really wonderful community groups where I know that if like a political conversation comes up, uh, we don't, you know, we try, try not to be talking about that all the time, but there are people, it's like, you know what? They can disagree and then go back to like, eating chips and guacamole and laughing about, you know, something they watch on TV and sharing prayer requests and loving each other and, you know, taking each other meals and stuff like the, the grace overrides those things that the world says, no, you should be yelling at each other and not hanging out because that's not possible. And so uh, I'd love for us to be more of those kinds of people. Mm, I like guacamole. I do too. All right. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.